right, we are back. Joining us now on the program is someone we promised at the top of the show. His name is Phil Plate. He's a self-described astronomer, writer, and skeptic, and he operates one of our favorite websites titled badastronomy.com. Welcome to Radio Parallax, Phil Plate. Thank you. It, it is Dr. Plate, I take it. Uh, sure. <laughs> yeah, actually it is. <laughs> and, and Phil, where do you do your astronomy? I'm at Sonoma State University, which is a small teaching college in Northern California, not too far from Davis. And we actually, I'm part of a group that does education and public outreach. We, we develop educational activities and we, we develop uh, outreach products, things to help teach the public and students about astronomy. Well, we uh, would recommend all of our, to all our listeners very highly they check out your website, badastronomy.com, particularly because, and the reason we're calling you, is something you've posted here currently, which is just absolutely fabulous. The top 10 astronomy images of 2006, and some of these are just real barn burners. Yeah, I was really, uh, really pleased the way it turned out. This was just an idea I got towards the end of the year. I was seeing a whole bunch of top 10 lists, and most of them were really you know, pretty boring, to be honest. You know? <laughs> top 10 reasons not to go shopping online this year, stuff like that. Who exactly. Cares? And I thought, you know, I've been getting all these press releases all year long from, uh, from different astronomy groups, and I've seen the different astronomy picture of the day posts and things like that, and I thought, well, there have been some pretty cool images. I think it would be neat to put together my own top 10 list not just for images that are pretty, and they're, they're all pretty in some way or another, but the ones that are the most interesting or the ones that are just cool. So you might see the image and go, well, you know, what's the big deal about this? But it turns out, oh, well, you know what you're looking at here? You're looking at something that's really interesting. And so I started, I thought oh, this will be pretty easy because I'm an idiot. And uh, I started looking through all the images, and I wound up going through a couple of thousand images that I had either online or saved on my computer someplace and um, narrowed it down to about, actually to about 20, and then really started to winnow it out. I was really having a hard time. But the 10 I picked, I think, are the 10 are, the, are just the coolest for whatever reason. Well, you know, Dr. Phil, a lot of our listeners are very uh, media savvy, and I'm sure that as they're listening, they can go to their computer and they can pull up on your website uh, these exact pictures. Now, if they go to badastronomy.com, where would they go from there? Right. The, the main website, badastronomy.com, used to be sort of a static site filled with pages, but then I replaced the front page with my blog, and that changes uh, pretty much every day, if not two or three times a day. Okay. So you can go into the archives, and if you just look under December 2006, it was one of the last posts of that month of the year. Okay. Or you can search for top ten astronomy images in the blog search or something like that. Uh-huh. I also have a category called Pretty Pictures. If you click on that, you'll get to my blog entries about... Duh, pretty pictures. All right. Well, presumably now and, and people listening have gone over to the computer and they're doing exactly that. So this will give us a minute to uh, to do it ourselves and pull them up. And I've got some. Actually, let's let's start with number seven, if we could. A face defaced. I know that you and uh, Richard Hoagland have gone right. around and around on the alleged Mars face, and you've got a photo of what it really looks like when you when you really get the um, the high resolution. Uh, European Space Agency photos and and really cone in on that and see what it looks like. It's obviously not a face. Right. Now, the deal here is that back in the 1970s when America sent the Viking probes to Mars, which were uh, the two first landers to go to Mars, uh, there was an orbiter that took all these pictures, and in one of the pictures was a, uh, a hill 
which looked like a face. Now, this thing was about a mile and a half, two miles across, something like that. And it's huge, and in the image, you know, look, it looks like a face. It really does. Mm -hmm. um, but there isn't an astronomer on the planet who really thought this thing could have been a face. However, there were some people who maybe didn't have the scientific training or didn't have sort of the restraint that a scientist would have and said, it's a face that's built by <laughs> aliens or humans from the future or something ridiculous like that. Now, Richard Hoagland is, is the guy who really jumped on this and has made basically a career out of promoting the idea that this thing is a giant face on Mars. And it's just, it's ridiculous. You can tell in the image that it's not really a face. Sure enough, when images were, were taken by better cameras in 1999, you could see it wasn't a face. That didn't even slow them down. Now the Europeans have got these incredible uh, high-resolution images, including a three-dimensional topographical image of it. And you can, you can see it's just nothing like a face at all. This won't even slow Hoagland down. He's got a million other things he can, he can talk about that, uh, that, that he promotes. That's all, it's all garbage about aliens on Mars or something like that. But in the end, you know, the face was his basic thing, and it's, it's not a face. Yeah, my favorite was, that was all in the news, the Weekly World News, or one of those similar publications, announced that actually this was in conjunction with the fact they'd now found Elvis's tomb on Mars, and that the NASA spacecraft were picking up recordings of Hound Dog as they went yeah. into orbit. Yeah, <laughs> now this would be the same group that said they found B-29s on the moon, uh, World War II airplanes. That was another one of my favorites. Yes. Yeah, they found that uh, hell was in a black hole. Yes. There's, I, yeah, I'm familiar with all of these. They've, they've kept me pretty busy over the years, I'll tell you that much. Well, you've got a great whimsical one here on picture number eight, and, and I can't believe this guy managed to set this up so exactly. It shows a man standing on top of a ladder with a paintbrush, and he's, he's superimposed on top of a lunar eclipse. It looks as though he's painting, finishing up painting the moon. It's brilliant. This picture came out um, back in uh, oh boy, September, I think, of 2006. And when I saw it, I just could not believe it. It was so beautiful. I have tried myself many times to set up kind of a fun picture, knowing that some astronomical event was going to happen. And it is really hard. And, and oh, yeah. this guy's a professional photographer. He's French. And uh, he knew the eclipse was coming up. He knew the moon would be rising around the time he could get the, uh, the, the, the lunar eclipse was starting. So he set this up beautifully. And the picture makes it look like a guy is actually painting the shadow of the Earth on the moon. It's totally excellent. There's no scientific value to this picture. Um, it's, just, it's just cool, and I really liked it. Yes, indeed. You've also got a picture here that uh, was all over the web for a while showing the first direct evidence for dark matter. This kind of takes some explaining, but uh, it's, a fascinating, it's a fascinating photograph. Can you kind of explain what's in it? This, this is a really funny thing because it came out at the same time uh, as the Pluto controversy, whether Pluto is a planet, and, which is a totally ridiculous, non-scientific, media-made controversy. It has nothing to do with anything. And, and yet that's what was grabbing the headlines. In the meantime, we've got this tremendous scientific breakthrough, and it's getting no traction at all in the, in the press, which was really funny. The idea is that we've known for 70 years or so that most of the matter in the universe doesn't glow. It's not, not only is it dark, but it's not even matter as we know it. Matter like made up of atoms, the hydrogen, helium, carbon, iron, that sort of thing. It's this weird stuff that's dark. It doesn't interact well with normal matter. You could pass right through it and not even know it. It's, its distinguishing feature is its gravity. It has gravity, and so through that, we've been able to detect it. Can I interject a minute? Something that I, that I find very odd about this, what really struck home when it was first explained to me. If you look at a picture of a galaxy, 
that, uh, you know, that obviously something closer to the center spins faster than something out at the end, or it should. I mean, our inner planets are faster than the outer planets. Right. But actually, uh, I guess astronomers noticed a long time ago that galaxies seem to spin like a giant pinwheel. They're as if, as if it was painted on a board. There's obviously a lot more mass there than, than you can account for. Very strange. But you can see it directly. That's right. This was, um, this was the second way dark matter was discovered, actually, is that galaxies seem to be rotating faster than you would expect, given the mass that we see. And it turns out that 90% of the mass of a galaxy is dark. And there are, there are clusters of galaxies, giant collections, like, like cities full of galaxies. And these, these clusters, the galaxies in them, are moving faster than you would expect, given the mass that we see. And so we know that 90% of the mass of a cluster we can't see either. And so we knew that there was a lot of this dark matter and that all the matter we see in the universe, we're only seeing 10% of it. 90% of it's invisible. But it's always been this sort of indirect detection. Well, now what they did is they took uh, these images of, a, of a two colliding clusters of galaxies. It's pretty amazing that, that these things actually slam into each other. Now, the gas in the galaxies, when they hit each other, the stuff sort of stops dead. You can imagine... Um, uh, two, two cars hitting each other head-on. They, they both stop where they, where they hit. And you expect to see that, and in this picture, that's precisely what you see. The, the normal gas in the galaxy, is, or in the, in the clusters of galaxies, has just stopped. But what you also see is that the effects of the dark matter shows that the dark matter has continued on. It's passed right through all the normal matter and is still going. And you can see that because the gravity from this dark matter affects the light behind it. It's like a giant lens. It distorts the, the images of the galaxies behind it. And if you map that out, you can figure out where the dark matter is. I know this all sounds very weird on the radio. Yeah, but if you, right. If you look at the picture and you read what I've written, it, it makes a lot more sense. Right. It's pink in the center and blue in the outside, and, and, the, and the dark matter is why you see the blue being bent around. That's right. And so basically, um, this is direct proof that normal matter in collisions of galaxies stops dead, and the dark matter keeps going, which shows that the dark matter is there, and it, it, it doesn't interact with us or with the universe in the way we, we expect normal matter to. So this is a big deal because this has been postulated for a long time, and this is the first time we've seen such dramatic evidence of it. Well, quite a bit closer to home. When we think of astronomy, we don't always think of our local star, the sun, but you've got two of the top ten photos here related to the sun, and, and they're both just they're both amazing. Number five, uh, evidently this amateur astronomer took a picture of the sun when the space station was between us and the sun, so it's silhouetted, and, and it just had broken off with the space shuttle. So he captured both of them against the background of the sun in amazing detail. It's a phenomenal picture. Now, when you say amateur astronomer, it's kind of funny because the equipment this guy uses is really, really top-notch <laughs> stuff. Um, I was just drooling over his telescope. He's got some great equipment. And he knew that from a certain place on, on Earth, in, in France, that he would be able to catch the shuttle and the space station as they were passing directly in front of the sun. And the beauty of it is that about an hour before he took the picture, the shuttle had actually undocked from the space station. So they're actually separated by some small distance. Not very much, but enough that you can see them. And in the, in the big picture, you can certainly see they're there. But he took it in such detail that you can zoom in and you can clearly see the space station and the shuttle. You can even see that it's the space shuttle. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a phenomenal picture. Again, almost no scientific value to this, <laughs> but holy cow, is it cool. Well, you know, I would say this would be the picture of the year if you hadn't posted three that are even more astounding. And let's, let's get to those. Uh, also on the sun, 
you have this photo where you can actually download this, uh, you, this, this time lapse of a, of a solar flare erupting on the sun and sending off, in essence, a shock wave across the surface of the sun. Amazing sequence. This has been um, seen before, but I've never seen it in this sort of detail or, or anybody's made a movie of it. Basically, um, a solar flare is an eruption on the surface of the sun. It's actually a magnetic disturbance. The magnetic lines of the sun get all tangled up, and at some point they sort of collapse and reconnect, and they release all of the energy that's stored in them. And it's, it's a huge amount of energy. It's, it's billions of times what you might expect from a typical hydrogen bomb. So if you can imagine detonating a billion H-bombs at the same time, that's the sort of energy we're talking about here. Yeah. And so there's this circular shock wave that blew out from the center of this thing. And the image itself, you can see the ring of the shock wave. But what's really cool about this is that you can take separate images and string them together and make an animation. And so you see this, this circular wave expanding outward from the flare site. And it's, uh, it's stunning. I it was really amazed when I saw it. I highly recommend all of our listeners you go to the website, you pull this up, and you look at this animation because just it's just it's just really something to see on the surface of the sun. And when you think that the Earth is just a dot compared to the size of this thing, the sun is about a um, hundred times the diameter of the Earth, and so you can see on this picture that the Earth would be tiny on yeah. this scale. Yeah, you note that just the width of the ring as it expands is far larger than 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 our planet. That's right. It's pretty phenomenal. All right, let's get to the second best uh, photograph of the year. We, we talked about this on our program a couple months ago because we were quite blown away by this. People have been looking for water uh, on Mars for quite some time, and we're, we, we know it's there. But we're looking for evidence of some liquid water because the frozen stuff just doesn't excite people too much. And now we have proof that there is, at least briefly, liquid water on the Martian surface. That's basically correct. Um, we know there's water on Mars. We've detected frozen water. It's in the polar caps, for example. We know that liquid water ran on Mars a billion years ago. That was a huge press release a couple of years ago. They found all sorts of evidence of, of flowing water on Mars, catastrophic floods, but nothing recent. And so in these, there are two pictures actually here. One is from August of 1999, and the other one is from September of 2005. And what it shows is that in the old picture, it's just a picture of a crater rim. But in the new picture, you can see that there's a light-colored deposit going down the side of the rim. And so it, that must have occurred sometime between August of 99 and September of 05. In fact, they went back and looked at older images, and they found it in February of 2004. So that means they nailed it down to basically within about four and a half years between the first and the second picture. There was an eruption out of the side of this crater. For some reason, there was some liquid that flowed down the side of the crater and deposited this lighter color material. And they know it was a liquid because of the shape of the gully it was in and all sorts of other factors. Um, the light deposit is probably some sort of chemical that was dissolved in the water, and when the water evaporated away, it left that deposit behind. They've actually seen several instances of this on Mars. This is probably the best one, this picture. And it's, you know, it's, it's not 100% conclusive, but it is, it is pretty good evidence that there is liquid water on Mars, it may have been frozen under the surface and it, it thawed out, or, or it may have just be liquid there and it broke out. Nobody's really sure. But the fact of the matter is there is water on Mars. It, it may be temporary, but it's there. We just have to go looking for it now. Well, we appreciate your scientific objectivity and not saying that it's for certain water, but I did like your quote on, on the website saying that if it was water, then it was only enough to fill in that flow a few Olympic-sized swimming pools. 
but uh, you wouldn't have wanted to be standing downstream when it erupted from the ground. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can imagine that stuff screaming down at you at 150 miles an hour. Even a bucket full of water would, would, would do some damage, but uh, it was, you know, a few million gallons, I suppose. I'd have to work out the numbers exactly, but it's, uh, it's a lot of water for just, you know, a person standing there. It's not enough to support a colony, but if we can find enough of this water underneath the surface, it could be. Well, it's the official position of Radio Parallax, having talked to a planetary astronomer, William Hartman, and Steve Squires of the, uh, the rover missions, that uh, we think there's water all over the place. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think so, too. We just have to find it. But it's, it's, looking, it's looking that way. I'll say that. You know, we may still be disappointed, but it's looking pretty interesting at the very least. All right, we are speaking with astronomer Dr. Phil Plate about his website, badastronomy.com, which has some fabulous photos looking back at 2006. And the number one astronomy picture, which he has chosen of 2006, really, this is num one of the number one astronomy pictures of all time. Let's talk about this uh, backlit Saturn. The Cassini probe is a very, very sophisticated machine that um, has been orbiting Saturn for quite some time now. It's been bringing back just tremendously beautiful images of the rings and the moons and the planet itself. Um, and so when you look at all of these pictures, you might think it's hard to pick the best one. But it turns out the best one was pretty easy once you see it. <laughs> yeah. This picture came out a few months ago. Cassini was on the other side of Saturn from the sun. So it was looking back towards Saturn and with the sun on the other side. And so you see the planet itself silhouetted. And uh, the rings are being backlit. Uh, and they took a mosaic. It's actually um, several pictures that they've stitched together. And you can see Saturn, um, the atmosphere of Saturn has bent the sunlight around it. So you see sort of a, a dark planet with a, a ring around the planet itself. Then, of course, you see the rings. And they're just spectacular. It's this gorgeous picture. You see the sun glinting around the edge of the planet itself. There's all sorts of weird, artistic, gorgeous color features on this thing. It's, you could go on and on and on about it. It's just beautiful. And really, that's enough. The picture is so stunning when you see it, especially in, in high resolution, um, that that's enough right there to make it the best picture. But what's really, really cool about this is that if you look to the upper left of Saturn, and I have this on the website, I have it in set, and between the main ring system and one of the fainter outer rings, there is a little dot. And that little dot is Earth. It's us, as seen from about a billion miles away. As Cassini was looking back towards the sun, the Earth happened to be in just the right spot to be able to be picked up by Cassini's cameras. And so there it is. You know, there's our entire planet, 8,000 miles wide, a billion miles away. Carl Sagan wrote about this in one of the most eloquent, scientific, uh, but also philosophical pieces I think I have ever read in the English language. It is really that good, where he talks about every human every bo ever born, every criminal, every hero, every crook, every king, everybody who in the entire history of, uh, of, of mankind was born and lived out their lives and died on that little pale blue dot. And, and here it is again, seen in the background of, of Saturn, and it really, really brings home how far away Saturn is, how far we've come, and how wonderful it is that we've been able to build these robots. They're, they're our proxy, they're us, going out there and looking back towards home. And, and telling us what a, what a gorgeous place the universe is. 
Well, Dr. Phil, we have to agree with you when you say that's why this is the best astronomy image of 2006. It's one of the best of all time. It's just, it is a stunner. 2007 is going to have to come up with something pretty spectacular <laughs> to even come close to this. We'll see by the end of this year how it turns out. Dr. Phil Plate, we enjoyed talking with you very much about this. Uh, but before we go, can you give us a little bit of background what led you to start a website titled badastronomy.com? Well, actually, it started a long time ago. I actually started it in 93, uh, basically because I was just seeing so much on TV and hearing on the radio and in movies where people were just totally destroying astronomy. You know, you don't expect astronomy to be perfect in movies or whatever, but I was hearing it in the news and on newspapers, uh, people making mistakes about why the moon looks bigger on the horizon than it does up in the sky and why the sky is blue and people mistaking the word galaxy for universe and all this stuff. And I decided, you know, look, I'm going to sit down and write about this. And the web was brand new. And so I started, I started writing about it. You know, I get 20 hits a day. I was thrilled. 20 hits a month, I was thrilled. Um, but then I got the domain name Bad Astronomy, and it's been getting bigger and bigger. In, um, in February 2001, Fox aired this TV show called Conspiracy Theory, Did We Land on the Moon? And it, it really catapulted this idea that NASA faked the moon landings into the stratosphere. And it's this ridiculously bad documentary uh, with all sorts of garbage evidence in it about NASA faking the moon landings. Totally wrong. I completely destroyed this thing on my website, put up a page about it, and um, got a lot of uh, attention from that. And I haven't really looked back. I've, I've really um, had a lot of fun debunking things like UFOs and astrology, creationism, and, and really anything where science in general and astronomy in particular has been abused by somebody. Well, we've thought all along you're our kind of guy. We hope this will not be the last uh, visit you make on Radio Parallax. Oh, I'd love to come back. Thank you. And, and I, I, was, I was very tickled in a previous interview, uh, which is on your website, when someone asked you about this incident with, the, with the, uh, the Fox program, and you talked about some of the emails you got afterwards, including one that was, had the phrase in it, well, when I was on the moon, <laughs> from, yes. from Charles Duke. Yeah, that really uh, that floored me. I was getting thousands of emails because the page had been linked by CNN and NASA, which I was totally unexpected. I was flooded with emails, and I was reading them. I couldn't answer all of them, but I was reading them. And then, you know, I had said at one point something about the, the guys on the moon were looking at rocks and this and that and the other thing, and I got this email from this guy, and he said, well, when we were on the moon, that wasn't really the problem. The problem was this other thing. And I thought, when we were on the moon, and that's when I scrolled down and saw that it was Charlie Duke, who was the, the lunar lander pilot from Apollo 16, and I thought, huh, <laughs> this, this guy was on the moon, and he's emailing me. And I, it was just, that was a, a pretty big moment in my life. And for the record, Charlie says it wasn't fake. That's correct. I've actually talked to three Apollo astronauts now, and they all say that they were there. Well, I believe them. Me too. <laughs> well, Phil Plate, it's been a pleasure, and we, we I, like I say, hope we'll do this again. we got a lot of debunking we'd like to do, and, and have you help us do that. It'd be my pleasure. Thank you. All righty. Picture yourself in a boat on a river with tangerine trees and marmalade skies Somebody calls you, you answer quite slowly A girl with kaleidoscope eyes